Welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better, part two. And it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. And in this episode, we're coming off of our last episode, which was about a nightmare on Elm Street, which was really fun. I thought so. I forgot how much I liked that movie. I've been thinking about it a lot. Yeah, and even when I listen back to the episode, which, you know, I do because I'm just that self-involved. <laughs> uh, I do too. It made me want to watch the movie again. Not that we're that good, but just because... That movie is so fantastic, and there's just so much, to, right. so much to think about. Well, also, I kind of gave Johnny Depp a hard time. We did, just because there's just so much Johnny Depp. But this morning, <laughs> <Here we when>... go. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's different. When Benny got up at six this morning, and I had nothing to do for like an hour and a half, I did start Sleepy Hollow. Oh, okay, okay. And he's just so handsome in that movie, and so striking. It's Sleepy Hollow. Yeah, I guess I haven't seen. And I that love one. Christina Ricci. So, oh, she's in that, yeah. It's been yeah. so long since I've seen that. But yeah, I mean, Johnny Depp, you know, he's he's great. He, he was great. We can't, I guess we can't blame him for what he's become. But <laughs> I mean, surely there's some demarcation line where he was okay to be liked. And then just something happened. Right. Um, right. Or or it's all, you know, maybe it really is truly a slander or libel. or uh, I, I kind of doubt it. But uh. I think there's got to be some truth to it. Isn't there some pretty compelling? I mean, I think. I think they both might be just very toxic people. Could be, yeah. We're talking about his ex-wife, Amber Heard. And I mean, you always want to, you know, agree with the victim. But then Johnny Depp's also saying that he was a victim. So it's just, it's very messy. And I think maybe that was a very toxic relationship. It's none of our business. One or both of them needed to get out of that for sure. Well, also, I just got, he just was in every movie. (laughs) It's like, we need a wacky character. Who are we going to get? Johnny Depp. Let's give someone else a try. Yeah. Colin Farrell. All right. Sorry, Johnny. Okay, so last time we kind of talked about why we dream. You kind of brought up that question, and I kind of gave the guy in the movie, the doctor, saying, like, well, we don't, we don't know why we dream. Yeah, gave him a hard time, too. And apparently, th- we really don't know why we dream. <laughs> and so my research was somewhat right, or my, my yes, thinking. Yes, yes. Okay. So, I mean, we know that we dream, right? We know that that's happening. Dreams happen during our REM sleep, which is, what is our deepest sleep, and I just thought it was fascinating that like so when we're sleeping like our amygdala which handles our memories and our hippocampus which handles our emotions all these things are like awake but our prefrontal cortex which is where we make decisions where we uh, are in kind of in control is actually literally asleep and so it's like the rest of your brain's just like partying almost is what it kind of sounded like to me and so yeah you get all these crazy emotions and feelings and memories and it's just happening as you sleep and then like you had said it kind of somehow forms it into a narrative whether that is just in our subconscious like do we just naturally do that you think or do you think that our brain is actually putting it together or more interestingly well i mean i'm not saying my point is more interesting (laughs) (laughs) sorry strike that but I wonder, like, is the narrative created after you wake up? Like, maybe there's just nothing. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, it's recreated once you kind of emerge from consciousness. I guess that's probably 
maybe not the case because I feel like those first few seconds after you wake up, you obviously remember much more about whatever the heck you're dreaming about. When sometimes you can wake up from a dream and if you get right back to sleep, you can pick up I know, where yeah. you left off. I always off. try that. I know, I do too. Sometimes I hate when, when you know you just lost it. <laughs> right. It's a really good dream. You know, you, I try to get back to sleep just rethinking that same, whatever the last part of it was over and over yeah. again, hoping I'll get right back into Chris Evans' bathroom <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> oh my gosh, Chris, we didn't talk about the Chris Evans picture. Yeah, was that real? Yes. Okay. Well, that's... He accidentally put up a picture of his penis. Yeah, I, how do you, well, I guess it's pretty easy to do, but who, do we know who he was was he texting it to somebody or? No, he took a, like a screenshot of his photo roll and uh, like it it's very bottom. small. Yeah, okay. There's like a little picture of it, but um, I did see it. I felt a little bad because some people were saying like, we need to protect his privacy. And I was just furiously Googling <laughs> Chris Evans. <Dick> <laughs> <Frank>. <laughs> no, it definitely came across my, I guess my Twitter feed. And I thought, well, I, I just can't tell was it supposed to be real or not. Um, yeah. And he also, you know, he didn't deny it. He was just kind of embarrassed and poor guy. He, I think he, he's okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, those pictures at the bottom of your um, iPhone roll can get you in trouble. You know, we had a deposition recently where I was producing. I mean, there was no dick pics, don't worry. But I was producing photos that someone had taken, you know, just from their iPhone. And I was putting in evidence at a deposition to show something. But there's those 10 photos at the bottom. And the other attorney was like, well, wait a minute. What are these? I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because I really looked at that. I mean, I was aware they were there, but I just kind of. Uh-huh. It kind of fucked things up for a good 15 minutes until I had to explain that those pictures had nothing to do with the subject. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. So and then also and we talked about kind of like how do you have nightmares or why do you have nightmares? And it has to do a lot with stress and emotion and the more stress and emotion that you're having that can cause more intense dreaming and possibly nightmares. I do wonder why I don't really have nightmares. I mean, I do every once in a while. Well, you say you, I mean, obviously you you have some anxiety in your daily life anyway. So maybe you, maybe you work it out <laughs> in your consciousness, like in your, and people like me that sort of bury it deep down, it, it kind of comes out, <laughs> it kind of comes out at night. Maybe, that, maybe that's the, the twist. Maybe if you just. It's so interesting. And also like when I was pregnant, I had much more lucid dreams. Like they felt very, very real for whatever reason, I guess, because your body is doing so much. That's interesting. I mean, I have no idea, you know, why we dream. The thing that I thought in my head, see how, this is how smart I am. It kind of reminded me like a shark that it can't stop swimming, right? If it stops swimming, then it dies. So I was just thinking that maybe when we sleep, our brain keeps going because if it just turns all the way off, then everything stops functioning, right? We just die. So maybe the purpose of the dreaming is to keep our brain active so we don't just stop the brain doesn't stop telling you to breathe or telling you to your heart to stop beating. That's kind of interesting. But I have no I, idea. I like that. And it seems like most of analysis of dreaming comes mostly from like philosophy and psychology. So like we have the the physical things that are happening while you're dreaming. But if you really want to go deep into it, then that's where you can get into, I mean, like the, you know, the, philosophers. The interpretation of dreams, you mean, versus yeah. why we dream? Okay. Yeah. It's all should be interpreted or we should have dream journals, but... I really just think it's it's the your crazy brain. And it could be some things that you're not accepting. I, I can see that, that maybe come out while you're sleeping. I can't think of any particular problem I've ever worked out because I had a dream about <laughs> it. Uh, but I do think, you know, generally sleep period and then whatever happens during, you know, your REM cycle, I think it does help you process things. And I think I think that's probably different, you know. So maybe when I wake up the next day, I may be able to 
deal with some problem better that maybe you'll stuck with it before. Yeah. So you're not only like resting your body and resting your brain, but maybe you're having letting your brain have some time to figure that stuff out while yeah. you're sleeping. Like I like to think that sometimes that there's some problem at work that I can't figure out or whatever. And then I, you know, someone will say, well, sleep on it. And I'd love to think. And then that, Slender Man comes to right. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If they only knew what happened during my fucking dreams, they wouldn't tell me these things. But they always say sleep on it and, you know, your brain will work it out. I'm like, I don't know. Um, but, but I do like to think that that happens. So your brain sort of solves these, these puzzles. And then when you wake up or maybe just the next day generally, you know, your, your brain has kind of figured that out, that problem subconsciously, and you are able to tackle it. Right. Well, so when Wes Craven talks about writing A Nightmare on Elm Street, he usually mentions two different things. One is an actual childhood memory of his. Did you read about this? No, I, I think I know what the second one is, but I'm not sure what you're about to talk about. Well, he said he looked out his window and there was like a homeless man with a burnt face wearing a fedora, <laughs> well, like outside on the street. That's pretty on brand. <laughs> <laughs> and he had claws. I don't know. I just, you know. <laughs> I just made it up. And so I guess it obviously really freaked him out and something that seared into his brain. So that's where the fedora comes from. I guess so. Yeah, you were wondering about that. That's funny. And then the story that really inspired him was he read an article in LA Times about what they call sons S-U-N-D-S, Sudden Unexpected Death Syndrome. It's also called Asian Death Syndrome. They have other names for it, Nightmare, Death. And he, I mean, and he put Nightmare, Dead, Death, Bed in any order, and it's probably been called that. But this is a very specific disease that we'll get into. But this particular story he read about was about a family from Cambodia who had to flee from Cambodia during the Cambodian genocide. So in 1975, 1979, you know, essentially like Pol Pot came in and like 2 million people were executed, starved to death or died of disease. Um, obviously, if you've seen the movie, The Killing Fields, which came out, it came in like 84 too, didn't it? It was definitely the mid 80s. I'm not really sure. but And actually, I, it's interesting. I didn't think about this at the time or even until I was reading about this, but when I lived in California, it must have been in the early 90s, about half my school was Cambodian. Really? Yeah. And I didn't even think about that, but that's probably one of the places that the people that were able to flee from Cambodia were relocated. So the story was that the son of this family said he couldn't sleep. Something was haunting him. And he said if he went to sleep, he would die. And his dad kept trying to get him to sleep. They kept trying to give him sleeping pills, but he would try to stay awake for days. He just knew that something was haunting him. He even kept a coffee pot in his closet. He didn't take his sleeping pills. He was hiding them. And one night he finally got to sleep. And I'm sure his family was like, thank goodness, he's finally asleep. And during the night he cried out in terror. His family came and ran in and then he dropped dead. And the cause of death was called acute cardiac insufficiency. So pretty much just something happened to his heart. They really had no um, other explanation for it. He was a healthy young man. Now, this in and of itself is, is uh, sad, but it wasn't until this started to become a regular occurrence. There was over 100 reported cases of young, healthy men from Southeast Asia dying the same way. Uh, more specifically, the Hmong men from Laos, which we'll get into in a little bit. They did a, a whole study on a, on some of them. You probably have heard those terrible stories of like a young basketball player 
like dropping dead, like on the court or if there's been football players, you know, their heart just stops. Yeah. But this particular uh, syndrome only affects men from Southeast Asian descent. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. So I guess we'll get like into a little backstory because you kind of have to know like where these men came from to kind of understand what kind of the theories were why this was happening. So Vietnam was in turmoil for decades, right? Uh, so communist North and the capitalist South, and then the North invades. And then of course we know America gets involved. Quite a mess. <laughs> but, and that goes deep because there was so yeah. many countries involved in this and there's... Speaking of that, uh, not to go off on a tangent, but that documentary on Netflix by Ken Burns on the Vietnam War, uh-huh. it's really good. And it, uh, I mean, I don't think even finish it because it's almost too much, but I will. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's fantastic. And it gets, obviously, as he does, way into it. And I thought I knew you know, a little bit about the Vietnam War. Um, boy, was I wrong. I mean, there's like a decade of uh, just lead up to it that I just had no idea all the sort of ins and outs that led up to that conflict. And Trent Reznor does the soundtrack, too. So that's helpful. Oh, that's amazing. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking when I started just looking at basic information how long everything had been going on over there and until we decided to get involved. Yeah, I would say it's essential viewing or at least a few episodes, especially the early ones, to get a sense of kind of what all that is about. Because I just had no idea everything that went into that. Well, something that kind of gets lost in the Vietnam War is um, that there was a Loatian Civil War that went on from 1959 to 1975. And this kind of got overshadowed by the Vietnam War because, again, everything was it was pretty messy. Tens of thousands of these particular group of people, the Hmong people, they were a society of um, that lived in the mountains. They had to be evacuated, and they were also being like targeted for genocide. So then, after the Vietnam War, Vietnam and Laos became communist countries. So thirty five thousand Hmong people fled to Thailand, and a lot of them also came to America. Now, I don't know much about. Laos either. But what I do know about it is that the comedian and showrunner and super amazing person Kulop Valayasak is from there. Um, Kulop is married to Scott Ackerman. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, what show does she run? She was the showrunner for Bajillion Dollar Listings. Oh, okay. It was a show that was on CISO and then they got a couple more seasons um, somewhere else. But it's a it's a really funny show. It lampoons uh, the Million Dollar Listing TV shows, the reality shows. And uh, it's got so many great actors on it. But anyway, she ran that show. She also, before that, she was on a podcast called Who Charted with Harold Kramer, which is really funny. But anyway, she raised money to produce her own documentary about her life. So her parents fled from Laos. They came and lived with, it's like a foster family, but they take in the whole family, which I had never heard of. Oh, the, the, before I get to the documentary, is called Origin Story. She's really into comic books, and she actually is a character in a comic book because Scott Ackerman's close friends with a lot of comic book artists. And so it's about where she came from, right? But it's a super interesting story because so her mom, she knows what her mom went through, having to flee from Laos and come to America. But her mom wasn't isn't the greatest person. And one time she got in a fight. Kulop was defending her father. And her mother said, why are you defending him? He's not even your real father. Oh, my God. Uh, Kulop was probably like 14 or so at the time. She had no clue. And so the documentary goes into her confronting her mother, going to Laos, meeting her biological father, 
meeting family she never knew she had. So it it's it's wonderful. Just if I wanted to plug that. Um, so origin story is what that's called. So anyway, okay. So there in 1981, the CDC did a study of 18 men and one woman who have died from this sudden death syndrome or sons. They all of them were healthy before. They were all the the average age was 33. They called out in their sleep and they died. So Dr. Robert Kirshner investigated five of the deaths firsthand, and then he uh, participated in the autopsies. And it showed that 17 out of 18 of these people showed that they had enlarged hearts that had essentially just shorted out. The They described it as like the fibers that carry the electronic pulses from the brain to the heart were frayed, like almost like they were curled up, you know, like if you curl ribbon in it. Thanks. Yeah. And it's just, it's uh, something like they can't detect. The only way to like save the person is if it happens, if someone is there to give CPR, if someone has a defibrillator, that's the really only way you can save them. But in these men, they had enlarged hearts. It seemed like it might have something, maybe genetics was a factor, but they really, beyond that, they really just had to theorize. They thought that it could do with the stress of not only living through you know, the war and genocide and having to leave your home and coming to a strange continent, not knowing the language, not being able to get a job. Maybe the stress of that was enough. Even more strange because, I mean, Asian men are more likely to have healthy hearts. You know, they have a low fat diet. Mm. And so this was done on all these men. And the, the one woman were from these particular Hmong people. But there have been people from Thailand, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, and Japan, who have also died from this. And so there's still no particular theory about, I mean, other than what you just stated about how that happened? Or? I think it, it has to have to do with stress. And maybe it was something genetic that kind of um, is not there anymore. In the late 70s, 80s, and then they had cases up until the 90s, but then it kind of like petered out. Hmm. It still happens. Like there was an instance this, like in 2014. Some people thought that maybe it had something to do with, you know, the Agent Orange nerve gas they used in the Vietnam War, but that wouldn't make any sense that it only affected these men and at night. So it's not just that they're, you know, passing away in their sleep, but they're having some sort of experience in their sleep too, or they're calling out, or is that kind of part of it? Or Well, that's also debatable, I think, because there's no um, proof that they were having a nightmare. Maybe it was a pain or something that that caused them to cry out. But there has been um, people who have survived it. There was a story on one of the articles, a guy named Vang Zoing. He described being haunted by an angry old lady, and they named her uh, Tab Sog. And he described her as a tall, white-skinned female spirit who came by and lay on top of me. Now we're talking. Her weight made it difficult for me to breathe. I tried to call out, but could only manage a whisper. I tried to turn on my side, but she pinned me down. After 15 minutes, she left, and I woke screaming. Now, to me, this sounds like sleep paralysis, which is also something that is not that uncommon. And I think I mentioned this documentary before, but it's called The Nightmare. And it's a documentary about people who have described their sleep paralysis, and it's terrifying. Yeah, I believe we talked about it in some sort of UFO context at one point or another, because sleep paralysis is uh, commonly believed to be the real cause of people 
feeling they've been abducted. Yes, because people in that documentary, just some of them described um, alien type people. Mm. Some of them had like kind of like the tall man from, um, you know, uh, Haunting of Hill House, something like that. And it's where you are awake, but you cannot move. It's kind of like if you what happens because like when you do sleep, you are kind of paralyzed. I mean, I know that sounds scary, but but it's like if you were normally sleeping, you're paralyzed. But for some reason, your brain wakes up, your prefrontal cortex wakes up and it under it knows what's happening. But then you're also like hallucinating. And it's just it's, the way they describe it is just terrifying. Jeez. But no one has ever died from that. Well, the lady on his chest also sounds like, you know, the succubus myth. Or is it Incubus, you know? Oh, yeah. Which one's which? I think Succubus is the female. And Incubus is, of course, the, the legendary band. <laughs> <laughs> of course. There was another person involved in this named Shelley Adler. And she got into the like folklore of it. The people who left their country also left their ancestors. So they had the feelings that maybe they were being punished for leaving their home and leaving their ancestors, or maybe it was because evil spirits were always trying to get them, but at home they were safe. But when they moved to this new continent or this new country, the evil spirits were able to get them, you know? So all that kind of folklore goes into it too. So the people that were, that are the community at the time or the year, over the years, they actually had developed these sort of their own thinking about what was happening. Is that what you're saying? Or? Yeah. And they all had, you know, in Thailand or Cambodia, they had a different name for it because it was something that they were scared of. Hmm. So I think that's all I have on that. Well, that I mean, that does sound very Freddy-ish. I, can, I mean, you know, kind of roundabout way, but I definitely, you definitely see the inspiration for sure. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not quite as on the nose as the guy with the door outside his window with the, <laughs> the scary sweater. <laughs> Maybe it was her, like had a rake or something and, uh, you know, like the claws on it. What was the, uh, the, the lawn care guy in The Simpsons? Uh, oh, Groundskeeper Willie? Yes. And there was a whole episode, like it must have been right. a, a, a treehouse episode where yeah. he was Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Well, so anyway, so that is not a true crime. That is a true story. But I would uh, say that the genocide is uh, probably darker than right. That's, anything you could think of. Yeah. Well, I like the true stories. I mean, we can we can do that. They don't have, they don't all have to be true crimes. Okay. Also, because it's, it's Halloween time and right. spooky stories and more, um, you know, supernatural stuff might be good. Well, speaking of true crime, have you seen the new show on Netflix that sees number one about uh, an American murder or whatever it's called? Oh yeah. Have you seen it? Already? Is oh, it yeah. good? Or is this like passe for you? <laughs> no, no, no. Did no, you no. write and direct we'll it? Ta- <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to talk about. Christopher Watts on the next episode. Okay. What you've been watching? Okay. Sounds like you have um, some thoughts. Oh, I but do. That's a good segue. I do. Like, should I watch it? Or? Yeah, it'll make you angry. Okay, though. I'm gonna watch it tonight. Especially after coming off binging that podcast called Cold about the family annihilator. Well, see, that's what confused me when I saw the trailer. I thought, is this what Christian was talking about? No, it's just a, just a different family annihilator. <laughs> you know, there's so many. What a what is wrong with these men? Oh, well, is that a spoiler? I just... So I guess he does it. Oh, sorry. Well, I mean, that, I, I kind of get that from that. I followed that story pretty closely, really? though. Okay. It, it wasn't that long ago. Okay, yeah. well, I'm going to watch it because it's uh, number one and easily. Well, because they have a lot of, like, body cam footage from the cops and stuff. Yeah, that's what's and... intriguing. It's like, oh, this is, like, found it footage. It is, but of... I... But I felt kind of bad because I was like, oh, I've already seen all this. <laughs> like, I, would, I would sit there and watch, like, because they would release like, everything. Are they in my scrapbook? <laughs> I was watching Hannibal... An hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's a it's season three, so it's the Tooth Fairy is cutting out his newspaper clippings. And, and then also the 
Hannibal's cutting out newspaper clippings. I was just thinking about like how sad it would be if print does die and go away. Oh. What a serial killer is going to do. Are they going to have to like print it off their computer and then cut it? It's not the same, you know? All right. Well, so that is our episode. Yes. And I don't know what we're doing next week. We'll do something more a vintage horror, right? For yeah, well, we were kind of tossing around the whole new nightmare thing, but we could we could do. Oh yeah, that might be a good idea. Okay, that may be better to do later since we just did nightmare. So we'll have to maybe we'll 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 talk about it. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that's it. And don't go to sleep tonight. Well, I am because I'm very tired. Oh. Okay. <laughs> and I'll have my inevitable nightmare, but just keep your heart pumping. All right. Thank you. Have a good night. All right. Bye. Bye.